this is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we begin our journey to understanding the historical record of the United Kingdom of Israel by taking a look at the two sources comprising this biblical narrative. Yeah, this is a... Uh... This is a, I don't know what you would call this. This is a big part of our study. This is a huge deal. Like, this is probably, mm, well, gosh, there's so many, there's so many great things we talk about. But this particular study really opened up a huge portion of the Bible to me that I did not find accessible previously. Yeah, this was, uh, it was the same way for me. I, I remember I was pretty late into my study of the scriptures. I was towards the end or probably even post-Bible college before I really had a grasp on what was happening in this portion of biblical history. And, and I don't know how many people are like me, but when I read, when I read this portion, I get into first, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, everything just starts to swirl. And I have a hard time staying engaged. I have a hard time. I, I have a very hard time keeping track of everything that's going on. There is a lot going on in that historical record. And when I finally understood why it seemed so confusing to me, uh, it really, really helped. So um, we're going we're gonna to talk a little about that today. But before we do, it would behoove us, and be very fitting for this podcast, if we did some review. So we have a presentation for you. You can find that, our typical PDF. And uh, we're going to start on that first slide there, just kind of walking through a review to help set up where we're going to be in our story. So... Uh, you can see there, uh, obviously, our review of Genesis. In the green, it's a, it's a setup to the narrative. We have, a, we have a large narrative that God's telling, and God's going to set it up with a preface and an introduction. That preface, chapters 1 through 11, is going to be really describing who he is and what his world is like and the nature of all of those things and how they all work together. And then we get to apply that. We get to actually see that applied in a family the family of God, uh, people like Avram, Yitzhak, Jacob, Yosef, uh, these, are, these are people in that patriarchal family of God. This sets up the narrative, like the big narrative. The big idea is that God's telling a, a, a tale of two kingdoms, two kingdoms of empire and shalom, two narratives that are always at war with each other, always pushing and jockeying for position, always, always calling for our attention. Uh, one narrative of self-preservation and another narrative of self-sacrifice. And uh, whether we see it in the Old Testament or on through the prophets or into the days of Jesus or on even through the end of the New Testament, this is going to be the nature of this narrative is, is empire and shalom battling for position, the order of life, the order of death, and how those things interact. So that narrative really begins in Exodus, where God rescues his people out of empire. He rescues them out of Egypt in the story of the Passover. He takes them to Mount Sinai, where he marries them, invites them into a unique covenant relationship. And the whole rest of Exodus is going to be about building this tabernacle. And the tabernacle is going to be... Um, uh, it's going to be a, a honeymoon suite, if we think of it as wedding. Uh, if we really examine the literature and analyze the, the, the literary aspects of the story, it's going to kind of be a retelling of Genesis 1 through 3. Um, and, and then functionally in the narrative, it's going to be the place where the priests work. And that's important because why, Brent? Because we are a kingdom of priests. That's right. Exodus 19, right before they started building a tabernacle, uh, God said, if you'll marry me, essentially, he didn't say that, but. That was the gist. If you'll enter into this covenant relationship with me, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And that raises a question because they don't necessarily know a whole lot about what what God's priests are going to look like. So God gives them the book of Leviticus 
And he says, listen, we got a tent that we just built, and you're going to be able to watch, physically watch priests do their job and learn from them uh, as they physically do their job in front of you. But then you can also have this record of Leviticus, and Leviticus is going to talk about atonement. It's going to make sure that before we go anywhere, we know that we are right and we are okay with God. Um, It's going to talk about what we call the priest sandwich, two sections of priesthood, and in the middle, like chapters and chapters of how to live, uh, how to eat, how to dress, how to farm your fields, how to order your sexuality, how to do all these things because God's calling us to be priests. So there's kind of these bookends. Uh, There's a a section of here's what a priest wears, here's what a priest does, here's how a priest can marry, here's all of that. And then on the back end, here's what to do when a priest screws up, and here's how to make a priest right. And in the middle, all those laws because we're called to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, after that, God tells us how to party, ordains the party, commands the party, demands the party. And uh, and then God tells them how to take care of the oppressed. That's what it means to be a priest. Uh, that leads into their honeymoon period because now they have to go learn who the spouse is. They've said yes to the wedding proposal. They've consummated the, the marriage, but now they have to, to get to know one another. And so God leads them out to the desert where they get to uh, experience this new relationship. And that wrapped up. Torah. I mean, that was the story of what was the big word we used to describe Torah, Brent? Uh, partners. Partners. We God's looking for partners, and that really described uh, the partnership. I didn't really mention Deuteronomy. I guess kind of flew right over that one, huh? Deuteronomy, the call to remember. I was wondering how we got there. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I was a little distracted. I was thinking how we can carry out this sandwich analogy in Leviticus. Oh. So the atonement is like your place setting. And okay. then the priest section is obviously the bread, the live is the meat. Okay. And the yes, party yeah. is the drink. Oh. And then the oppressed part is where you invite someone else to eat the meal with you. Now, see, that was worth the distraction right there. That was, <laughs> I hope people are taking notes. That's not even on the presentation, but I'll let you make it's a little a, diagram. It's a of whole that. new way to think about it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Fantastic. Uh, so Deuteronomy is this call to remember that whole journey. Uh, remember where we've come from. Remember that we had humble beginnings. And that, that means that if we can remember that, we're going we're gonna to see, we're going to notice, and we're going to take care of people that have uh, similar experiences that are stuck in similar circumstances. And so that was the partnership. That's Torah. After that, we've been walking through some of the initial books that follow Torah. Um, Joshua and Judges and Ruth. Joshua ends up being um, the story of conquest, but it's bigger than that. It's, it's really functionally in the narrative. The story of Joshua is about God putting his people at the crossroads of the earth. He wants his people in the middle of the action. There is a world that is falling apart. There is a world that needs to be put back together. There is an oppressive, abusive world that God is trying to redeem. And he's not going to do that um, if his partner is sitting over in the corner hiding. He's got, to get his, he's got to get his partner right in the middle of the mix. And so he puts them in the crossroads of the earth. And when they get there, we read through the narrative of Judges and we see uh, not a sin cycle, but a what, Brent? A redemption cycle. Darn tootin'. Uh, we see a redemption cycle. We see uh, God's people continually being pursued by this God, a God who doesn't give up on him, even even though time and time again, they might turn their back, they might struggle with idolatry, they might even do some of the same things. God says, I realize you're trying to figure out what this partner looks like. I realize it's not easy to live at the crossroads of the earth. I'm going to send you a deliverer. I'm going to send you a rescuer. I'm going to pull you out of your, your muck and your mire and your ruin, and I'm going to rescue you. And and so we do see sin. Sin is definitely a part of the cycle, but I don't think sin has to define the cycle. And so we called it a redemption cycle um, because I think what I encounter in Judges is, is God's just never-ending, bottomless patience. 
So, um, and then last podcast, we kind of zoomed in, we kind of, we kind of hit pause on the large meta narrative and we zoomed in to the book of Ruth, this love story, uh, about a Moabitess and, uh, and, uh, people that are righteous and, and just a big story of in the midst of the judges story, um, uh, a bunch of people that are trying to do it correctly. And so that's the book of Ruth, and uh, that that leads us into where we're going to pick up today. We got to zoom. We have to zoom back out to the meta narrative and hit unpause and kind of get back where we left off. Now, um, we had left off in our last two podcasts talking about uh, David, talking about Shaul. We talked about how Shaul is a donkey herder. We talked about David being a shepherd. We talked about David and Goliath, and we've spent a couple podcasts there. But that whole story is happening in the context of a section of scripture that, as we just we pointed out, is is pretty tricky. It's the it's the section that we call Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Uh, so I actually have some notes here, and I'm going to read those notes because this continues to be not one of my. Um, this is a hard this is a hard part of scripture for me to keep my head on. To be honest, it's it's. It's not my weakest part of the Bible, but it's also not the easiest one for me to follow, and I can get lost pretty easily. So I'm going to stay tied to some notes. So if it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I am. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about these these two. We've, we call this podcast One Story, Two Sources, because that's really what we have here. Um, so before we, we, we dive into chat about David or even Solomon, before we move on to the next characters, we need to take some time, and we need to try to understand the sources that we're using to unpack this period of history. If you're like me, when you read this portion of of the story, this is where your eyes begin to glaze over and you, you start to check out. And part of the reason for this is because we are on the cusp of a period of history that will be loaded with short stories about a whole list of kings and their disobedience. There's going to be a few exceptions to that. There'll be a few kings that are righteous, but most of them, by and large, are going to be disobedient. Uh, and another reason that this is hard to follow is because once this kingdom divides from a united kingdom to a split kingdom, north and south, Israel and Judah, uh, it's going to be very, it's hard, particularly for me, to follow uh, which king is whose king. Is this Israel's king? Is this Judah's king? And whose son is which king and how that all works and so on and so on. So it becomes pretty tricky to to follow that. Um, another reason that I get glassy in this section uh, is because it always seemed like I was reading two versions of the same story. And I could never figure out if we were having flashbacks or if there was some transition that I missed. So if you're just reading through your, you know, your, your Protestant Bible and you're, you're just reading through and you're reading in Samuel and you talk about Saul and David and then you turn the pages, you're in Kings, you're kind of Solomon and the Kings that follow. And then you turn your page, you get to this first, first, first Chronicles. And all of a sudden you're reading about Saul and David and you're like, wait, what? What just I, that was where I would get lost. Like, what just happened? Why did I just go back? And so that that can be pretty confusing. And I never felt like uh, anybody had ever really explained that transition to me well. So as I look at this period of history with my students in class, uh, when we look at Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, I try to be really intentional about mapping out uh, these two stories. One story or two sources, we could say. If it seems like we're having two different versions of the same story, it's because we are. Um, I'm going to be skipping a lot of like extracurricular information, uh, but I'm going to attempt to map out these for our discussion today uh, using my own language. Um, and I, I'm sure there's got to be some great sources out there, Brent, about um, people that have written about this really well. I've just never run across them. I don't know of any of them 
and I've never found a package that I, I, I liked as far as how people presented the information. Um, and I'm sure that many have done this a lot better than I'm going to today. Um, and I'm probably, if, if there were anybody that were really educated, which if they were, they shouldn't be listening to my podcast, but if they were, uh, they probably would be super irritated about the way I'm going to oversimplify things or the words that I choose to use. Um, but I want to make every attempt uh, to do this well. And that's a disclaimer for me. And that's partially because I'm, I'm usually really confident when I got my material from somebody that's really trustworthy or, or, or good at their job or better than me. Like if I got this from a, an authority or one of my teachers, I love to teach stuff. And, and any time that I'm in uncharted territory and I'm doing my own thing, which is basically what I'm going to be doing through this little section, kind of putting all this in my own language. Nobody ever really taught me this. This is what I've put together. Um, I always like to give a little bit of a disclaimer because I feel like I'm I may be out in waters that need to be checked. So check it. Make sure you feel good about what I'm doing. Um, and this is really like a wireframe. This is a yeah. This is a, a mold that you can fit your ideas about the scripture into and help you understand what it is you're reading. Right. This yeah. isn't going to be a, a verse by verse. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah, we definitely won't be doing that. You'd definitely see my limitations at that point. This is this is how I this is how I this help this is how I helped myself understand the story. This explanation that I'll give in the next two podcasts um, today and and the next one are really um, they come from my own experience. So if anybody's had a similar experience, hopefully it will be helpful. And we like wrestling. So if you have specific we questions do. about, you know. How does how does this structure apply in this story? Because this one story seems really weird in light of that. Right. Well, let's let's wrestle. Let's figure it out. Absolutely. Yep. So, uh, kind of like right where I left off, we see two different stories for this period of history. Um, I keep saying this, but or we could say one story. We see two different store. We see two different sources in the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, one of one of those stories is going to be the books of Samuel and Kings. Samuel and Kings are going to comprise one of those sources, one of those stories. The other source for this biblical narrative, the other story, the other version of the same period of history, should I say it that way, the other telling of the same portion of history is Chronicles. Um, It's another recording of the same period of history. Yet they are much more than just two different records, and so I want to look at them the rest of this podcast and into the next podcast. I'm going to take them one at a time. Um, and before we do that, uh, we ought to just acknowledge how much debate swirls about all of the details of authorship. I mean, sc- scholars argue about everything. They argue about who wrote the books. They argue about when the books were written. They argue about why the books were written and the perspective or the agenda we encounter in each. Uh, and I don't say this to trivialize those arguments. Quite to the contrary, uh, these debates are really important, uh, very important. In particular, the debate about when is one of the most significant debates that we have as we try to understand this stuff and piece it together uh, and what's taking place in these records from a from a literary standpoint. So I'm not going to be trying to speak into those those debates, um, but I'm going to try to take some very general stances based on everything from consensus to my own personal opinions is how we're going to kind of be going about that. But um, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, it is possible that these were one of the first books of the Old Testament written. And we'll talk about dates like like a year from now. We'll do more on that. So if you're like, what? What about the books of Moses? Like, we'll talk about that later. Um, 
But some of the prophets may have been the earliest pinned stuff, but some were right in the same neighborhood, probably even predating some of those earliest prophets are going to end up being uh, the records of Samuel and Kings. Um, And so that's going to play a part here in the discussion that we're going to have. But uh, I like to argue that Samuel and Kings could be read from the perspective of the Northern Kingdom of Israel. I use that designation very loosely because I think what I'm trying to point out is not uh, is where is not where this version is written uh, relative to its geography, but where this is written relative to its point in history. So let me say that again. Um, let me try to reword that. Uh, uh, I like to view Samuel and Kings written from the perspective of Israel, not in its northern geography, but at its point in history. Like this is written much closer to the actual events that it describes. This is written as the kingdom is splitting, as they're going through some of this tension. This is looking back on Saul and David, which are recent events for the books of Samuel and Kings. So uh, I think that's what I mean when I say from the perspective of Israel and the people of Israel from, from their perspective as well. Uh, So this portion of history reads more like headlines of your current events than it does a reflection on earlier history. However, it's important to point out immediately that ancient Easterners do not record history in the same way that modern Westerners do. They are not nearly as interested in recording the facts with intense commitment to precision and accuracy. For us, if you're thinking about journalism and history, it would be about getting every single fact correct and right. Um, instead, uh, they would like to tell a story of what's happening in a way that compels the reader to a particular course of action. Uh, in our discussion group, we'll look at David and Goliath, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, is that story about its historical accuracy, or is that story about something else? And we've hinted at it in our last podcast, but we're going to look at that uh, probably some more in our discussion groups. Um, so they're not nearly as concerned as recording accurate details as they are telling the accurate details in a way that stirs us and moves us. For the ancient Jew, history is prophetic. And by prophetic, we are not referring to future telling. Biblical prophets didn't tell the future. Biblical prophets were a mouthpiece for God to use for the current day. So when, when when a Jewish historian told ancient Old Testament history, they're trying to send a message in the way that they tell the history. Um, One doesn't need to look much further than where the books are arranged in the Hebrew scriptures. I see many uh, students today that are shocked to find out that when the Christians arranged the canon that we use today, they rearranged the book order of the Old Testament. I don't know if we knew that, but I think we've mentioned it maybe once or twice in passing here in the podcast, but they... The order, we have all the same books in our Old Testament that the Jews have in what they call the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, but they have been reordered in the Hebrew scripture, uh, from the Hebrew Scriptures to what we see in our Bible. Um, inquiring minds often want to know why we would do that. Why would we reorder the books? Uh, my oversimplified answer is in order to make the Jews look bad. <laughs> uh, this usually doesn't please many people. Uh, they think it's a lot more complicated, and it is. There is a lot more going on than that. Um, and, and I think there's going to be a lot of people that argue that the canon was arranged according to genre, uh, a westernized category. And that's true. This is technically true. 
but to ignore the fact that while they're uh, rearranging this canon, they are dealing with a rampant anti-Semitism. To not acknowledge that would be foolish. I mean, the Hebrew scriptures end with the book of Second Chronicles. So if you were to go to the Tanakh and read the last few verses of the Hebrew scriptures, it ends with hope. It ends with a promise that God's going to restore his people. And when we rearranged our canon, we ended up rearranging it with Malachi at the end, which ends with a curse. And it, it, that's just far too coincidental to be just like, well, we just rearranged it according to genre. I mean, ships fell where they met. Like, no, we had a lot more going on there than uh, we definitely liked it arranged as it was to end with a curse to set up Jesus um, in our Christian worldview. So uh, the original Old Testament was called Tanakh, uh, which is a shorthand for the three sections of the Hebrew scriptures. Um, so if you turn to your next um, slide that you have, I actually have the Tanakh kind of broken uh, broken out there. Uh, Tanakh, T-A-N-A-K-H. Uh, I, it's often written capital T, little a, capital N, little a, capital K, little H. Because the three letters that make up Tanakh, that drive it, are the T, the N, and the K. And that stands for Torah. The Torah is the books of Moses, obviously. The N stands for what's called the Nevi'im, which is the prophets. Nevi'im, the prophets. And then the third section of the Hebrew scriptures is the Ketuvim, which is the writings. We can even actually see Jesus reference the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets. Uh, He usually doesn't include writings when he says things because the writings were still being canonized in Jesus' day. They weren't officially in the Hebrew scriptures. So Jesus will usually just reference the law and the prophets, and he's referencing the T and the N, the Torah and the Nevi'im. And then shortly after Jesus, uh, we also have the Ketuvim. So Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim. Are there any references that include all three? I believe there's one. I can't remember which gospel it is, but I believe there's one passing reference. I think it's going to be Luke, which I would place as the latest, go- the last gospel, at least close to it, if not, depending on where John lands. Um, and that might make a little bit more sense. But yeah, so that's there. Now, if you go to the next slide, you'll see how that breaks down. I've even, I've even kept the books in their order as you look at that. So Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Nevi'im, it's different than you're used to. So if you look at how their prophets work, You're going to notice, and this is kind of my whole point for doing this, uh, notice what they would call a prophet, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings. Now, the rest of that list, we're going to be like, well, of course, those are prophets, obviously, duh. Uh, It's interesting, if you look at the Ketuvim, which are the writings, you're going to notice some things in there that we would typically call prophets, like Daniel. Daniel's not a prophet in the Hebrew scriptures. It's It's a writing. It's going to be interesting. We'll talk about that much later. Uh, But Chronicles, notice where Chronicles lands, the last book of the Hebrew scriptures in the writings. We'll get to that in just a moment. But notice where Samuel and Kings are. Notice where Joshua and Judges are. Um, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings. These are historical books, but they're prophets in the Hebrew scriptures. What that means is that the Hebrew reader sees history as prophetic History isn't just about the accurate details of what happened. History for them is God trying to tell us something about what happened before. There's a message to be heard in the history. 
See, this is why we went through Joshua a few podcasts ago, and I wrestled with the genre. Is this a conquest genre? A conquest narrative, conquest myth being used in order to communicate a bigger, wider message. Part of the reason that I lean that way is because Joshua, viewed from a Hebrew perspective, is a prophet. It's prophetic. It's not just Western history. It's bigger than that. There's a message in Joshua that we're supposed to hear. Uh, And so that's how they view history. I'm going to jump back to my notes here. Uh, So the whole reason that we're on this rabbit trail is to make the point that the history of Samuel Kings is found in the Nevi'im, the prophets. History is prophetic. So while I describe this section of history as being headlines from Israel, I do not mean this in a cold, detached, anchorman delivering the facts of an event kind of way. Uh, Their reporting is much different than ours. So to summarize, I like to refer to Samuel and kings as the agenda-driven headlines from Israel. Uh, In fact, I think if you go to your next slide, you'll notice that I've kind of, uh, we've taken Samuel and kings, we've grouped them together. We've taken 1st and 2nd Chronicles and we've grouped them separately. Now, both of these sources are going to tell the same period of history. They're going to talk about Saul, David, Solomon, and the kings. So two different sources, all covering the same portion of history. Do you think our graphic makes sense, Brent? I think so. Okay, fantastic. Hopefully, if our listeners have that pulled up, they're going, okay, I see. Now, one point of clarification, though. So in the Hebrew scriptures, Samuel is a single book, right? Yes. They're not broken out. Correct. There's discussion about whether or not they would have appeared in two volumes, but it's considered one work. Correct. Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. Now, I believe Chronicles is considered two set. You know, now I'd have to go back and check. I actually have to pull out my Tanakh, which is no longer sitting right next to me. It used to be. But it's downstairs now. Um, downstairs for all of our listeners, in case they... We're, we're up in the cloud. We're up in the cloud. We keep our podcast That's in the cloud. Right. I like that. <laughs> so, so we have these two stories, and hopefully you can tell by the grouping. If you go to the next slide, it's going to get a little easier. So go to the next slide. Uh, And you're going to see, all of a sudden, I just grouped. That's from Israel's perspective. Samuel and Kings is going to be from Israel's perspective. And I like to call it agenda-driven headlines. Okay, so let me talk about Chronicles, and we'll wrap up this conversation for the day. In contrast to Samuel and Kings, Chronicles is written from the perspective of Judah. Now, again, I use this term loosely. I'm not referencing time. I am referencing time, not geography. So I'm not saying that the story was told in the north and this story was told in the south. Uh, But the perspective of the north back around, you know, 11, 12, uh, uh, excuse me, 900 to 1000 AD, possibly 800. I keep saying this wrong. BC. BC. Thank you very much. Somewhere 800, 900, possibly 1000 BC when that's penned. Judah written much, much later. Remember where it ended up. In fact, you can jump back a couple of slides if you need to. Remember where Chronicles ended up. It was the last book of the Hebrew Scriptures. It's in the writings. It's written much, much later. At the very least, Samuel and Kings is written to give the impression of earlier authorship. There's a big gap in when these two stories are written. And later, we're not talking 1000 AD later. Right. No, we are not. <laughs> uh, we're talking... Uh, Still BC. We're, we're still going to be talking B.C., although it may be a whole lot more uncomfortable than people may have assumed. 
Chronicles may be penned somewhere in the 4th, 5th centuries BC. So we are talking three to four to 500 years separating these records, maybe even more, depending on who you're talking to. So this is... This is uh, maybe a new world for some of us that just have read the Bible chronologically, have never really wrestled with some of this stuff. It's some new ideas, perhaps. By the time we get to the end of this session, I think the, that timeline will make a lot more sense for people. Right. And maybe even next session even more so. And and then, oh, I not podcast, you mean session. Yes, yeah, session. At the end of this session, we're going to have a big, long discussion about that. And it will definitely be worth your time, I believe. Yeah, we'll we'll hopefully set a, a good stage in the next two episodes. But by the end of session two, yes, this whole timeline will make a lot more sense. Absolutely, at least it did for me. Absolutely, I hope so. If I'm worth my soap as a teacher, it'd be great. Uh, so this also affects the way that Chronicles reads. Uh, I teach my students that if Samuel and Kings is supposed to read as headlines, then Chronicles is written more like a documentary. Imagine. Uh, you were comparing the headlines. Let's take like the Vietnam War as our example. Uh, and I need to find a new example because the Vietnam War is, we're, we're far enough away from that now with college students. It, it, uh, we're starting to get more and more detached from that. But for now, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and use that. If you were to take the Vietnam War, uh, imagine what it would have been like to have read the newspaper headlines from the Vietnam War era. You would have definitely read about the war. Would they have been accurate? Sure. Yeah, of course, right? It would have been accurate to headlines. Now imagine if you jump on Netflix, grab a documentary that was made within the last decade about the Vietnam War. Is it going to be accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. However, time that separates those two events has a huge effect on what you're going to see and how they're going to tell that history. Correct, Brent? I would think so. Man, so you're reading newspaper headlines, and it's going to be accurate, but it's coming from a particular perspective. You watch a documentary, and now time has given you all kinds of historical perspective that allows you to see things completely, maybe not completely differently, but definitely with a new set of lenses on. And so Samuel and Kings is more like the headlines, the agenda-driven headlines of the story and Chronicles, written centuries later, is looking back on that same story, but now shaped with history and perspective, with hindsight, they're telling that story in a new way. Uh, so let me go and read some of my notes here to close. You, you might remember that Chronicles is what ended the Hebrew scriptures, meaning that it's not found in the Nevahim, but in the Ketuvim, or the writings. While both records have an agenda that's supposed to compel the reader to action, they come from different historical reference points. In this sense, Chronicles is much more like the history we are familiar with. Just as we are aware that those uh, who compile history tell a story in the way they compile it, so does the chronicler. And so to summarize this section, I would say that Chronicles is a documentary perspective from Judah. So if you jump back to that, Last slide, we've got one more left, and it's going to put up that second one. So we have two different sources, a red source and a green source. Sometimes I'll, I'll say story A, story B, source A, source B. It's telling one story about the same period of history, the Saul, David, Solomon, and Kings period of history. So both sources are talking about that same period of history, but one is written from Israel. It's written like agenda-driven headlines. The other is written from Judah much later, uh, as a documentary perspective. Um, and so hopefully that gets us started on a good conversation that we can pick up in the next podcast. A lot of stuff to go over here, 
Um, but once we get this down, it's actually going to facilitate uh, an even deeper conversation as we walk through the prophets and what we're seeing there. Think we're missing anything, Brent? Uh, well, we've got a whole lot of scripture left to get to. <laughs> yes, we do. But we'll get there. All right. All right. So um, as we record, um, or as you're listening to this, rather, discussion groups are about to start back up on the Palouse. So we hope you join us for those. Uh, Moscow Tuesday, Pullman Wednesday. If you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. You can find me on Twitter at EIBCB. You can find more details about the show at BaymontDiscipleship.com. And, of course, you can always check out our Facebook page. Marty is continually posting great stuff on there, even during the school year, and it's a great way to get updates on what's happening, whether you're in our discussion groups or not. So thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon.